Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to the after show. We took a break last week because Attack on Titan took a break. James just got back from taking a break. I'm he's alive. Here with us. He's alive and he's here with us to talk about the season finale for the final, not really final season <laughs> of Attack on Titan. Uh, Jackie is not here this week because she is in Iceland. I'm really jealous All that right. she's in Iceland. Yeah, she's in Iceland. So unfortunately, she can't be here with us uh, this week. But I'm sure she watched this episode and freaked out just as much as the rest of us. So we'll be checking in with her when when she gets back. But before we get to Attack on Titan, I just would like to remind everyone to please subscribe to this channel. We are live on YouTube at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. We're also live on Twitter Spaces, Facebook, video. And we upload parts of this to Instagram later. We're also a podcast. So if you can't make it for the video portion, we are on Apple Music, Podcasts. Spotify, Stitcher, any place where you listen to your podcast, you can find the A and After Show. So make sure to just uh, uh, you got to smash that subscribe button like Aaron is smashing up refugee camps with his <laughs> giant feet. So that's <laughs> does he have feet? We'll get actually, to that. I don't I'm know, actually, confused about his, his anatomy right now. So tendrils. Him, yeah, he's got a giant rib cage and a tiny head. It's you really, really seen how he moves. Is he like wiggling? Is he doing like a little worm wiggle? I kind of thought up to this point he was kind of doing like a crawl on it, like elbows and knees sort of deal, or maybe hands and feet. I don't really know. I mean, but, he's fully um, above the water, so those, those yeah. rib things, they go all the way down. Unlike yeah. the Colossal Titans, which apparently swim, swim. like little guys. <laughs> they look hilarious when they swim, oh my god. But before we get into a breakdown of this, this season finale which if you've already watched it, you should know that we aren't getting movie at the end. That was highly speculated. We're going to get another final season next year. Not sure how many episodes uh, that should finally wrap it up. Of course, I probably said that last year and yeah. the year before. <laughs> We've been so, fooled before. Yes. They at least called this one, what, I think in Japanese, it's the final season, colon, final part. <laughs> like, I hate it. We swear it. this time. No, really. Yeah, I just no, really. We're it's, it's gonna be over for reals. I mean, this is a close, like the best way they've tempted me into just reading the manga at this point, out of like sheer frustration. It's like, I'm, I'm, it. I'm, I re- I'm so stubborn, or it's like, no, I'm gonna dodge spoilers for another year. I don't even care. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> I'm not even worried about the spoilers so much as it's just like, I know that we're gonna be sitting at this unresolved point for a whole year, and can I just sit with it? For a year when I could go to Kodansha USA, or I think you can can you still read the manga on Crunchyroll? Just like log on there, and it would probably take me an hour or two to read the remaining final chapters of the story, and then I could right. just have all my questions answered. So and then all of those people that keep hinting about how we're gonna hate the ending, or no, you're gonna like the ending, they'll finally. I mean, I'm not gonna tell anyone anyway. I'm gonna be that yeah. guy. I'm gonna read the ending and I'm not gonna tell you what I think. That to myself. You don't you don't deserve it. Like you haven't earned that, right? Yeah, I would probably be the type who would read it and then take to social media and just be like, all right, fine, yeah, I liked it. Or else fine, you're right, I hate it. And that would be take no further questions, will not explain further. That's it. The end. 
Fuser canceled, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no more hot takes. Nope. This show has just been going and going and going. God damn it. We're going to become yeah. a One Piece podcast now. We're going to start from episode <laughs> one, and that's it forever. It's, it's kind of funny you bring that up because my son just started doing that. So I'm funny. kind of tempted because I read the spoilers from like chapter 1000, whatever, and yeah. they're super cool. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? This could actually get me to read all 1,000 freaking chapters of this if if it's building up to something like this. So I joke, I but at the same time, I'm, I don't know. I've avoided One Piece spoilers slash general. I have no idea what One Piece is about, really. Like, as far as I know who the characters are and I know what they're kind of doing. But yeah, I recommended it to my son, who's 12. And because he wanted something to watch, and he, I think he's like between twenty to thirty episodes in. So, oh, he's watching the show. Oh, yes, he's watching the show. Boy. Yeah, right. Um, I maybe when I'm he's hoping by the time. <laughs> I, I'm hoping he's older by the time he gets to post time skips. So I don't have to like explain Nami's bikini, but you know, we'll we'll, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. He's still in the the old stuff. The funny thing is that I got a. Uh, care package or something for one of the movies a long time ago and it included a uh their you know their pirate flag and it's like you know yeah decent size so he hung it up in his window before he even watched the show if you drive by my house the one you the one piece flag is visible from the street so See, i thought you were gonna say that they sent you nami's bikini no it would be like a size extra small bottom and like a quadruple whatever top, top? if it's no. the time skip no like i don't know what i do with nami's bikini i could not i could not rock that would not really be appropriate i don't know if me to try. just yeah yeah fair yeah she's functionally speaking yeah she's like jessica robert proportioned you know it's just that's just kind of how it goes yeah but we do have two news items before we you know get into this this finale here um, kind of went a couple different places. We got some, it was a lot of backstory, some context, and we'll talk about whether that context really flushes out the motivations we've been trying to come to grips with for Aaron this whole time or not. I've got some mixed feelings on it. But before we talk about that, first thing I want to talk about is the Battle for Union Anime Dubs, which is a feature that went up on Anime News Network last week and has spurred a lot of conversation if you follow English language voice actors on Twitter, you've probably seen a lot of them talking about it. Everyone is talking about it. Basically, the pay is abysmal. Like, it sucks. It's not a livable wage. Um, you cannot be a dub voice actor and probably pull in enough work to just be that. It's like a side gig. And yeah. you either live in Texas to do it or you live in Los Angeles or New York, typically. Um, some of that changed during the pandemic. There were people who were getting opportunities who weren't in those major places, but those are where the, the studios are primarily. And then there's some in, in Canada as well, although I don't think they're utilized quite quite as much in North American US-based dubs anymore. But anyway, I guess to put, put some numbers on it for you guys, if you haven't read it already, I really recommend you do because our writer, Evan Minto, did a great job kind of going into detail about how a unionization like SAG-AFTRA works for these sorts of jobs and sort of how the whole industry kind of plays out. A lot of the dubs for anime are not union and that's that's why the wages are, are typically lower. They're generally higher if they are union and they're highest 
at least within the anime community, through Netflix most of the time. So, I mean, you'll still get way, way, way more work on like indie video games than you will from the anime industry. Uh, one voice actor, uh, Marin, they've been talking about how they got paid like $800 a session to do their dub voicing for the Hades game, which was a super popular, awesome game. Lots of people got really into that and that they had multiple, multiple, multiple sessions. So they were compensated really well for that work. By comparison, if you were a dub actor for the Jujutsu Kaisen Zero movie, which we've talked about on the show is doing really, really well in theaters, you probably got paid $300. If you didn't get paid $300, you got paid 150 bucks, and that's all you got. There's no that's residuals. Like, what, minimum wage in California? I have to imagine that's like table yeah. scrap money. You could maybe like, <laughs> you could maybe get a night in a hotel for 125 bucks. Yeah, yeah. That wasn't like, 125 every time that was like you got 100 well 150 or 300 every sessions like that was for the entire film that's all they got was somewhere between there they didn't get extra based on how many tickets were sold they're not getting any money based on how many home video releases sell like that's it and this movie came in at number two it was number two in the u.s box office it was under batman i mean batman did you know batman numbers but it pulled in around 30 million and that's comparable to, I don't know, like a run-of-the-mill like That's what movies home. used to make. That was, like, yes. that was, that was yeah. like a solid performance back in the good old days. And yeah. for comparison, Supergiant, I want to say, I mean, they, they their employee count total is in like the double digits, right? Right. I want to say they, yeah. they employ maybe two dozen people like full-time, give or take. And the yeah. fact that they can pay several times the amount that Netflix, which is one of like the five companies that owns all of the media in America yeah. right now. Like, well, not, not, or not, uh, not sorry, uh, Funimation, uh, right. which is owned by Sony, which is one of the companies that owns yeah. like a fifth of the media right now. Like, yeah, come on. One of the voice actors who they didn't have a major role in the film in particular. It's uh, Tara San. She voices Momo, who's the witch girl, one of my favorite designs from Jujutsu Kaisen. They're part of the, that character is part of the Kyoto branch. And they have, like an appearance in the movie, but she's also coming over from the TV series. She got paid 150 bucks and attempted, according to her tweets, to negotiate for more because she knew this was going to be a movie. And she used one of ANN's articles that showed how well this movie did in Japanese theaters to get more than that and was turned down. So this also isn't just voice actors getting lowballed and accepting it. Like they're attempting to get something better than this and are being denied that opportunity. And it's just, just messed up. Yeah, if you can afford to put your movie in theaters across the country. It was over 2,000 theaters across the country. Like That's this a wide release. Small. Yes. That, that's what Hollywood does, all right? Yeah. Like, that's, there's no excuse. There really is not. There just isn't. They had advertisements in Times Square. Yeah. And that was one of the things that was brought up is that they probably paid more. And these are different budgets. Like, I'm, I'm not a film producer, but I do know that, you know, the budget for how much you pay your staff or your talent is not the same as your advertising budget. But regardless, they allocated enough money in their advertising budget to put this in Times Square, where maybe some of that could have been allocated for the talent. Well, I know that for like big budget live action films, whenever you're looking at box office numbers, whenever you're trying to break down like whether or not a movie was profitable, one of the things that they always tell you is, you know, whatever budget they put out for production costs, I mean, these days, because of how blockbusters work, you pretty much, you almost double it for advertisement. But what that means is 
if they're spending that much money on advertisement, they should, you know, they should be spending exponentially more than they're spending now to pay their actors. Because you can't have an animated film without voice actors in either in any language. Right. It, that's just how animation works. It's like with a regular film. If you don't have actors to play your characters, then you literally don't have a film. So you might see if you're following this issue on, on social media that there's still a lot of discussion within the industry itself from voice actors about what their rates currently are and attempts to uh, organize so that they can improve them. So I would just keep an eye on that for any developments and we'll see how that shakes out. Like to see something similar also for the behind the scenes people, like 80 people who are writing the scripts, ADR scripts, people who are translating the scripts and timing and subtitling them so that we can have simulcasts. Those people are all still vastly underpaid as well. Um, there was a video that came out a while back about that. It wasn't from Anime News Network, but it was from Callum May about how much Crunchyroll was paying at the time. And we don't know if those rates are current, like post-merger, but we also haven't gotten any indication that they've gotten particularly better. So there's just a I, lot I of areas for improvement. Have traditionally made for for wage increases. <laughs> Let's just no. say that. That doesn't tend to, to follow. We, right. We can say that there were translators that were working for Funimation before the merger who were being paid significantly more and then were let go right before Christmas because they wanted to cut wages. So, yeah, just uh, while you're con- you know watching these shows that you love, try to keep in mind all the different people behind them that make them possible. I mean, we've also talked a great extent about how poorly the animators are paid in Japan. So it's kind of, it's kind of shit all the way down, to be honest. I'm not trying to like rain on everybody's parade here, but it's a realistic part of the industry. And it's only, it's a hell of a drug. (laughs) It's only through, uh, you know, collective power and negotiation that any of it will probably ever get better. So yeah, and and I know that there are there are a lot of people that, especially here in the states, that are weirdly anti-union. Even though our entire work culture and labor force was built on the back of unionizer, unionizers getting the crap beaten out of them by by Pinkertons back in the day, but whatever, that's a different story. But I, I'm a teacher. I'm a public school teacher. Um, yeah. uh, in my in my day job, and I, trust me when I say I know that unions aren't perfect. You know, yeah. they. They have their issues too, but if you do not have the ability to advocate for your own just basic agency and value as a human being, then the systems that are in place in this world will 100% exploit you every time without question. Because if you say that you can't, they can just replace you at that point. Studios like Supergiant paying actors 800 bucks for a session, they're the exception. You know, they're, Mm -hmm. they're not the rule. And so... As far as I'm concerned, unions are always a good thing. Yeah, we'll just have to see what this... That's the tea. The next thing we'd like to talk about news is Chainsaw Man related. Unfortunately, it's not Chainsaw Man anime related. We're still supposed to get that sometime this year from MAPA. I think it may be in the fall. I think so. That sounds right. Or maybe the summer. Summer or fall. Summer or fall. Or Um, winter. One of the seasons, it's not spring. One of them, not this season. But yes, uh, everyone's still very hyped for that. And... The manga creator Tatsuki Fujimoto, uh, he's last released a a one shot that people really really enjoyed about the manga process and that got released in a single volume. And it was just announced that he's creating a new uh, two hundred page one shot manga that will be released digitally on April eleventh on the Shonen Jump Plus app, which means it will most likely be on the 
the Viz Shonen Jump app or the Manga Plus app. So keep your, your eyes out for that. It doesn't have a title yet, but I'm still excited to see what it'll be. The last one was really, really good. So anything is it even a one shot? Or like at two hundred pages, is, I mean that's just like a book, right? <laughs> that's yeah, it's like a single volume. <laughs> yeah. It's like he's just releasing a single, a whole single volume story, but it's all at once. So I guess that's still a one shot, even though it's really long. Instead of like being thirty page ish chunks, or even with Shonen Jump, sometimes it's just like fifteen page chunks. So yeah, that's true. All at once, yeah, yeah. Uh, Chainsaw Man Part Two, yeah, we're still waiting on that manga as well. But how long has it been since part one ended? It's been over a year, right? Or... Yeah. The first part ended in December 2020. And the second part is supposed to debut this summer. I guess so. a year and a half. I mean, well, look, manga artists also are exploited, very overworked. <laughs> and so that yeah. man needed to take a break so that his uh, joints didn't crumble into dust by the time he yeah. hit 40, then good on him. Uh, that's a yeah. good thing. Yeah. So hopefully we have some images or something to share. I guess that'll just drop and then we'll all be talking about it. But just wanted to let people know if you're a fan of Fujimoto, he's got a 200-page manga coming out on April 11th that you're going to want to check out. So with that, James, hey. I think it's time to talk about the season finale of Attack on Titan, the final part two. <laughs> And this was mostly flashback, right? It's yeah. It's also like reminiscing on a boat about yeah. another time when she was on a boat. I feel right? like, I feel like, uh, oh gosh, I probably shouldn't make any jokes in that berserk. But uh, I, I just know that the boat, that them being on the boat forever was a, was a, was a joke um, before the creator passed away. So um, oh, I guess maybe oh, Attack on Berserk. Titan fans and Berserk fans can can empathize with one another and, and having this, this boat setting be such a, an important fixture. But yeah, look, we got, we got Mikasa in a suit and a cute little hat looking pretty stylish. <laughs> asking yeah, I thought, reasonable I this, questions. Why did I ever like you? Yeah. That's a pretty reasonable question. I think given current events, this was a little jarring to me when they started, when they showed them all in, in their suits on their way to Marley, because I was having to like, reel back my brain to when this was happening and we hadn't ever really seen this before because no. it switched perspective to marley to gabby mm-hmm. while she's there and um and falco yeah and right falco. The season four. They've, they've talked about this and, you know they encounter aaron when he's like in the hospital or whatever but like we never yeah. saw any of this right no so. I, I thought it was an au at first i thought she was like because i i i had to watch that episode for the um, the OVAs where she has like this weird extended like dream sequence where she imagines like an alternate future with Aaron and, and Armin when they're kids. And I thought oh, this okay. was going to be like a repeat of that where they're, it's like in Suicide Squad when Harley Quinn imagines her, her and the Joker just wearing a suit and tie. And I was like, oh, is this her domestic fantasy? Just, uh, <laughs> just, just hanging out instead yeah. of things all going to shit. But yeah, no, instead it's mostly her trying to reflect back on like the last time she was really around Aaron and reevaluating like his emotional state and their interactions. And what if any of that had to do with how he's ended up? And I don't know the conclusion that I came to, first of all, I think it's sort of a bad idea for Mikasa to think that she could have diverted him away from this path in the first place. Like if, if only I had told him that I loved him romantically then he might not have wanted to blow everything up. 
I don't... I think he's still the type of person who would want to blow everything up, even if you love him. So maybe, you know, that's just a bad relationship. Yeah, it's weird. And uh, we're, the episode is so jumbled around. I'm sure we'll talk more about it later. But we yeah. go more into, like, how how much of her feelings Aaron is aware of or, mm-hmm. you know, what's motivating him independent of this. And Mikasa doesn't even know most of that, right? Like, she doesn't... Yeah. She doesn't know about any of the future site stuff. She doesn't know about everything that he's going through, having, you know, kissed Historia's hand and gotten this vision of himself in the future through his dad's eyes. Yeah. I, I promise I understand it. It's just hard to articulate. But um, <laughs> the way that I interpreted it was, and it, like, it makes sense, I think, from her perspective, where I, I think she's maybe thinking that he's doing this because he thinks that, he has nothing left to do with his life. Cause they all know that he's going to die soon. They all know that he only right. has a few years left to live. Right. And so maybe she's thinking that if I gave him like something to hold on to, like if I gave him an anchor that he wouldn't be so willing to completely throw away his life and to throw away everything and basically like kamikaze the world. Yeah. But um, you're right. It, it's kind of like a, it's obviously not all on you girl. Like you can't, you know, you can't change yeah. that. That's that's a bigger thing. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to reconcile a lot, I think. None of which I find com- particularly com- a compelling reason to do what he ends up doing. But you can see that while everyone else is like enjoying Marley and what it has to offer that they've never, you know, like ice cream and oh my God, they have cars because they have all this technology that they don't have. Right. All hilarious, by the way. Weirdly funny for an episode in the middle of all this terror and and sadness. Yeah. Even though they've they've got like they're all just you know kind of enthralled by everything. I think Aaron the whole time doesn't is not really experiencing the same sort of amazement. In fact, I think, or at least what I came away from it was that seeing all that actually just made him angry because these are all the things that he's been denied access to, based on the preconceived notions of like Eldians being lesser than. So he's, he's wandering into this very civilized, you know, Westernized modern sort of town and they have ice cream and they have cars and all these other sorts of things that are just crazy. And he's never seen any of it before, but instead of being overcome with wonder, he's just like, look at all the stuff they told me I wasn't good enough for. And it kind of sits there with him. And then we see that really take form when he sits in on that, meeting about why they should be good to Eldian refugees, but continue to hate Eldians on parodies. And he, you know, they're all sitting there thinking like, you're talking about me. Right. So, yeah. Well, and, and he also, he mentions briefly too, that he has, he does have his dad's memories too, from when he inherited his father's memories. um, Right. So so. so he's got the perspective of the, the uh, Eldians that are also living in this town, but they're in basically an internment camp. Right. So he knows that also these non Eldians are just walking around their everyday lives, enjoying, enjoying all of this. But if you, you know, wander far enough one way, you're going to find a ghetto full of Eldians and they don't get to do any of this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So he's not having a good time, which, Mm -hmm. uh, in retrospect, Mikasa's like, hmm, red flag. Maybe that was a yeah. red flag. <laughs> I, yeah. I didn't think much of it at the time. I didn't think, oh, is this going to cause him to like genocide the whole world someday soon? I don't know. Um, but now in retrospect, she's like, oh, I guess that was kind of when he started kind of drifting a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Feel him start pulling back. Yeah. yeah. 
or it even has that moment where and and i i am unclear and i'm, I'm sure you know maybe it's been more clarified in the manga i i am unclear as to like how much specifically of his own actions aaron was aware of after the whole historia thing like i know he knows in general that he's going to do something monstrous and that like his dad is going to beg Zeke to kill him and, and all that stuff. But there's that moment where they're looking over that refugee camp and he's just mm-hmm. like looking so sad. And, yeah. um, and Mikasa's like, Oh, like what, what happened to, to that kid down there? And he's like, Oh, nothing yet. And it's like, you know, how much, you know, at, at, how much of this is also him realizing that he kind of has to, to either hate it or be indifferent to it because he's going to be destroying it all soon. And yeah. he's kind of resigned himself to that. Like, I'm going to kill all of these people. <laughs> and yeah, you people know. who opened their home up to him, you know, they are living with far less than anyone else. I mean, they're drinking out of washed out food, tin cans and broken cups. And they still offered them the hospitality of drink and food and just a good time. And everyone except Aaron there is just sort of enjoying that moment where they're kind of getting to, to relax for the first yeah. time in a really, really long time. And yeah, it's kind of weird to think that Aaron was just like, uh, this was cute too, by the way. Also, there's Sasha. a part, we don't, we don't have a screenshot of it, but there's also a part where Sasha is like barfing into some sort of pail in the background. Like that's how well, I she got. I can't remember if, if I sent it that one right there where she's like force feeding this like passed out child alcohol. Like Sasha, no. <laughs> You're supposed to be the good one. No war crimes, Sasha. Yeah. But no, this whole scene was great. And it was really sad because like you said, like, I mean, Aaron is kind of, I I think there's like a couple of shots of him at least kind of smiling a little bit or enjoying the the party a bit. But like, it's very clear this whole time that, um, and before this too, he even has that conversation with Mikasa where he's just like, why do you, like, why do you even care about me? Like, why why are you even willing to, to, to do what you do for me. And I don't know right. how much of that was like him trying to sow the seeds of that whole, you're just brainwashed thing or how much of that was kind of him maybe for a moment reflecting on what he's going to become and, and maybe having second thoughts <laughs> or maybe yeah. like, did, like why would you ever want to protect someone like me? That's going to destroy all of this. Right. Yeah. You can kind of just see like, this was the point where he was shutting himself off from everyone else. And it's kind of like a part, a part of him died a little bit, but on the other hand, we also see part of Mikasa's conflict is trying to figure out like, is this something he became or is this something he always was? And we've Mm -hmm. talked about that in the past too with Aaron, because they, they set up that previous episode where he killed Mikasa's attackers and he was pretty vicious about it and not the least bit traumatized by it after it happened. Like he's telling his dad, you know, they were dogs or whatever that he just put down mm-hmm. dogs. And I think Mikasa is looking back at that moment too, because she does some, some flashbacks to the really brief of that moment and just them running around as kids and him getting into like scraps with other kids and stuff. And just, I think trying to reconcile like whether this was inevitable or not, whether this was always, always going to happen. And I don't, I do think that maybe Aaron was, his personality was hot headed and he was predisposed to trying to solve things in this really big kind of violent way. But I don't personally subscribe to the idea that like some people are born doomed 
you know, that's just not, I mean, that's a conversation yeah, no, about I agree. criminality in general. And I just don't think, I think the nurture is way, way more important than the nature. So. Yeah. Like, it's not like, I mean, cause it's not like Aaron's a sociopath, right? Like he's shown right. empathy. He's, he's capable of, of caring for others, of being selfless. Uh, I think it's less about him being like born bad and more about, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot as the show has gone on of, of how much of Attack on Titan is specifically about what happens when you force kids to fight in your wars. I mean, that's, right. that's, um, that's something that, that um, Magath and um, Shadis were co commiserating on is that, you know, they want to die and they want to sacrifice themselves because they're sick and tired of watching these kids having to fight these wars. And mm -hmm. I think one of the byproducts of that whole culture that Attack on Titan has been really interested in, in like interrogating is one of the things that they say about trauma, right, is that especially when it happens when you're young, it can kind of freeze a part of you in that time and in that place. So when you're experiencing yeah. that trauma and when you're trying to process those emotions, you're you're not processing it as like your 30-year-old self. You're processing it as your 10-year-old self. Um, right. And that's a, that's a part of what makes overcoming like PTSD so difficult is because you're, you're suddenly stripped of all of the tools and all of the, the, the growth and the knowledge that you have, because, you know, there's a part of you that was not allowed the opportunity to, to grow up uh, along with the rest of you. And the thing about being Aaron is, and any yeah. of these soldiers is that it's been nothing but trauma after trauma, after trauma, after trauma. And so, I think it's less that Aaron was born bad and more that he has not ever been able to be anything but that angry, scared, vengeful 12 year old. Yeah, the, so, yeah. This episode does a really good job um, kind of connecting that back to the first season because we'll talk about different points in the episode. So I don't want people to think like we're ending really early because I'm about to talk about like the very last scene, but in the very last scene, Aaron yells that quote about how he'll, destroy all of them and he initially had said that very early on and he was talking specifically about titans he was talking about the vengeance he was going to get for his mother and that he was going to wipe out all of the titans and it's a statement he makes like in training if i remember right like he says it, i think in the mess hall when he gets in a fight with gene or something or it's, yeah. it's around that same time period and they brought it back i thought it was a kind of a cool overarching thing about his his character arc because they brought it back now at the end here, but he's not talking about the Titans anymore. He's talking about anyone that could perceivably threaten the livelihood and peace of the people he cares about. In this case, he's thinking of the Eldians on, on parodies, but yeah, it was just sort of like, it showed how that has, that has changed. And he's also taken on this sort of, he doesn't really care about himself surviving necessarily right so like yeah. they do this flashback where he's talking to zeke about everything he's talking to zeke about mikasa and whether she's you know brainwashed to like him or not or to you know kind of be like his bodyguard type or not and zeke yeah. tells him no i think she just likes you enough to like kill titans yeah you know, <laughs> zeke gets really it he's never even like i don't even it's not that deep bro he doesn't even you know? know her he's like dude she obviously just has the hots for you and is good at killing things. I don't know. It's so hard to understand yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. So he's talking He's talking to Zeke about all of this. And then when he brings up his extermination plan, of course, he's telling Zeke it in a way that aligns with Zeke's goals at the time. But he expresses, you know, that even after I'm dead, their lives will go on. And in that case, he seems to mean like, yeah, I'm going to 
martyr. I'm using that term really loosely because I don't really consider wiping out almost all life on earth martyrdom. But in his mind, he's going to martyr himself for their happiness. And that's all that matters because he's going to die in three years anyway. So he kind of sees himself as disposable and he wants to use that remaining time to have the greatest impact possible, which is unfortunately mass genocide. So, yeah. And I mean, you know, I was listening to that podcast about the the war in the Pacific and World War II. And Mm -hmm. um, they were talking about a lot of the letters of the kamikaze pilots who sent home. Because as Westerners, right, and especially at the time period when our collective understanding of Japanese culture was not great, one of the biggest questions people asked was like, why would these people kill themselves? You know, why would they throw away their lives just to kill a a few enemy soldiers? And obviously, like you said, Aaron's going a little bit bigger than that. But, Mm -hmm. you, you know, they would send these letters home. And so many, you know, and there were fanatics, of course. There were people that 100% bought into the the imperialist nationalist idea that like their lives were worthless uh, if it meant achieving something great for Japan. But a lot of soldiers there, you know, they would write letters where they'd say, look, I've heard the stories about what's happening in, you know, in the South Pacific. I know it's going to happen if I get shipped off to fight in Saipan or I mean, in, in, in Malaysia, right. in any of these other countries. And I'm, I'm dead no matter what, like, I'm not going to survive this war. I've been told that like, I'm pretty much going to get sent to die no matter what. But if I do this, a lot of them would get like promoted. You know, they would earn mm. like a posthumous, like two or three ranks promotion. And so in theory, their families would get bigger checks from the government oh. as, you know, uh, some kind of die. stipend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's that same mentality, right? It's that idea where if I'm going to die either way, and if there's nothing I can possibly do to stop that, you know, it's out of my hands. I guess it doesn't really matter if I die doing something pointless or horrible, or if I if I die killing a bunch of people that I don't necessarily want to kill, if it means that the options are die horribly for nothing or die horribly and maybe give my, my family a better life ever so slightly. And that sucks. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, that sucks. And I mean, I think the biggest difference is Aaron is in the position of power here. You know, he's not... Right. He's not some nameless like grunt on the ground. He he has the ability to do something different, but you know he's kind of been locked into this kind of childish, rigid mindset of um, even when Historia is like confronting him and pointing out, Aaron, this is a horrible idea. You're killing innocent yeah. people for no reason. I can't let you do this. And he says, look, as far as I'm concerned, the only way to guarantee no more war is to kill every single person on earth that could ever make war again. Which I think we've talked about this before, but is incredibly naive. Yeah, because it's, it's how a twelve-year-old thinks. It's how right. a little boy thinks. Is yeah. oh, that'll that'll fix it. You know, it's not like even though Armin is the one that was like, "There's going to be wars on parody when this is done." We already have Flock running his his goose-stepping fascists out here. Like, there's, we're all like, we're still in danger. That was um, something that I also found like kind of frustrating that it wasn't subverted. Like he genuinely oh, I know. confided in Flock. Like I know that like a couple it was either last episode or the episode before, you know, Flock was touting how like Aaron trusted me with his plan. I knew what Aaron was gonna do. And I think at the time me and Jackie or I don't maybe that was an episode you were off, James, I'm not sure. But we were like, Yeah, right. Aaron no, was playing you. Yeah. yeah, there's no way that he legitimately confided in Flock of all people. Like he's just using him for something. And then they have this scene 
And it's like, why? Yeah. Why did you pick this dude? This piece of shit. Um, I mean, maybe that's I mean, it. I mean, you because know, the with that Zeke scene, we do learn that, as far as we know, all that stuff he said to Mikasa was complete BS. And so, if he is yeah. trying to push all of his friends away, either mm-hmm. to protect them or to like give them plausible deniability or whatever, yeah, maybe he's just telling Flock because at the end of the day, he doesn't give a crap about Flock. It's like if Flock is expendable, so he can know my plan, and if that ends up getting him killed, then whatever. And he'll um, support it 100% because he's a crazy person. Because he's an idiot, unlike my friends. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, yeah. I mean, I guess if he had tried to sell this idea to any of his, like Mikasa or Armin, they would have been like, what the hell are you talking about? You can't do that. They would have had similar reactions as Historia because they're normal people and Flock is not. Either way, I mean, yes, it makes sense, I guess, in that way that he confided in Flock because he needed a right hand man who would, he needed a yes man and he, Probably he needed a flock boy. Flo- <laughs> he needed a flock boy, and flock was perfect for it. But that just means that I'm disappointed in Aaron again. I don't know, just because I hate flock. I guess <laughs> Mikasa's so. like, take a ticket, sister. Get it on. <laughs> We're all disappointed in him and his nihilism, which everyone and everyone and and Marley and Liberio is like, yeah, <laughs> no kidding. Yeah, because we're all gonna die. Yeah, exactly. God, it was just. I guess. One thing I would like clarified, James, if you can, like, I understand that there's basically a brain loop sort of thing going on here, right? With memories where Aaron sees his father's memories, who was able to see Aaron's memories, who was able to see his father's sort of thing. And I get a little stuck in there as far as like how that worked out. Like I understood Aaron's dad knowing that bad shit was going to happen because Aaron knew in the future about like the wall breaking and stuff. But people in the comments just now were talking about how like this was part of what kind of messed with Aaron's psyche to get him to this point. And so I don't know if, if you know, or someone in the comments wants to chime in, what do you think was the thing he got from this memory situation that just sort of broke him? Was it, well, it was basically he saw himself mm-hmm. um, committing genocide, right? Yeah, committing well, genocide, and and conv- he saw himself like breaking his own father, and mm-hmm. being the one to basically push for the destruction of of you know of of all the enemies, quote unquote. Um, yeah, and then presumably because I think he would have been seeing his own, he's seeing his own memories, and so. He's seeing, I think, maybe his memories of what he's currently doing as a big genocidal centipede thing. Yeah. Um, And again, I don't know how like how much of it he's seen or how clear any of it is, or if it's like it's becoming more clear the more he sits with it or whatever. That 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 kind of stuff, I honestly think, doesn't really matter all that much. Um, Like the the finer points of it. I think what really matters is that he's basically become resigned to this is what I'm going to become. This is what I'm going to do. And there's no point in fighting it because it's already happened in the future. So do you feel because like if it didn't already happen, then I wouldn't be here right now to see it. Right. So does that mean, do you think on a large scale attack on Titan is arguing fate? No, because I think, and I think it was Theo in the chat. Someone pointed out that the show has put a lot of emphasis on how, and it was really clear in this episode, how that, that moment where he saw his mother die in, yeah. the, in the fall of, of uh, Shigen. Is that Shigen Shina? Yeah. Shigen Shina? 
Yeah. Shima. Yeah. Um, the moment when he saw his mother die, when the walls first fell, that was the moment where he was, where he basically decided that he was going to dedicate his life to destroying the Titans, his enemies, whomever. That's right. what set him on this path. Mm-hmm. Um, and and as the show has kind of really elaborated on in this season, everything that led to the fall of the walls was basically just the, the machine of war and bigotry and all that stuff just turning right. forever and ever and ever, ever since the first Ymir got into that pig situation. It's it's they it's, had a flashback to the pigs, like when they yeah. were when we went back to Aaron's point of view and he was trying to think back on like what the moment was, and he was like, Well, was yeah. it when the pigs escaped? Or was it when my mom died? Or was you know, he's trying to yeah. kind of that kind of stuff will screw you up. I mean, Cause, cause, I just mean like in general, like if you ever yes. sit back and think about the the course that your own life has taken and like or even the history. Small, you know history on a greater scale but even like on a minor scale like yeah. if you think about the s- small incidental things that have like you, who you are as a person if yeah. i didn't like yeah i mean because you can start going back through your like your ancestors and th- this is starting to get into dr manhattan things about how it's a miracle that any human exists based on this small slim percentage of of perfect things aligning to create your own existence well, hell, the only reason I'm here right now is because I was on Twitter at the exact right time one day back in like 2014, 2013. And, and Zach invited me to to be a part of, of the old podcast. And now here I am. And it's literally because I was distracting myself from an assignment I was supposed to be finishing. And I've, I've gotten to make an you know, all these incredible friends and have all these incredible experiences. And it was literally just this one thing. And that wasn't even a giant tearing down my hometown and eating my mother. Right. Right. (laughs) No, much, much smaller. Yeah. I mean, the example I always like to use is um, my, you know, me and my husband have known each other since we were 12. So like if I hadn't taken keyboarding at that middle school at that semester, I would have never met my husband. And Or if you'd been sick the first day of school and you guys just hadn't met up that, yeah. I mean, we have a child now. So like Felix exists because Matt and I were in the same keyboarding class in junior high. It's just like stuff like that. Like, I'm not sure if I should recommend getting stoned and thinking about it or not, because it'll just like, it sends you into a loop. Yes. It's very, yeah, it's crazy. So um, no, I, I don't think the show is saying that all of, I think the show is saying that because mankind has refused to give up on its propensity for hatred and war it led to the exact wrong person getting the exact wrong power and having the opportunity to use it in the exact wrong way yeah. and I, I think it's 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 messy because it's obviously mm-hmm. having us empathize with the monster you yeah know? i mean uh, he's literally i mean he's a giant centipede thing now like he is a, he's a literal monster but i think the show is just trying to show us that at a certain point when you're living in this world and creating these systems where, you know, kids are having to eat their parents metaphorically or, 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 or literally, yeah. you're going, you're going to create an Aaron. Yeah. I think that's what the show is saying is that this is what's going to happen if we don't figure our, our shit out <laughs> is yeah. we're going to get an Aaron um, yeah. or whom, whomever wants yeah. to, to drop the bombs or rumble the Titans or, or what have you. You're at risk at a, a mass genocidal event when you, have an environment that creates desperate, crazy people and they obtain power. Yeah. And I'm not going to extrapolate that out too much to current events either because you could, you know, I don't know, 
Vladimir Putin listens to this podcast, definitely shouldn't. Go away. Uh, we don't want you, Putin. <laughs> you don't deserve our takes. Get out of here. Or Attack on Titan, for that matter. No anime for you. Yeah. I actually just put the screen cap up because I thought it was really funny out of context. I mean, it was very serious in the moment, but just the fact that Aaron needed to tell someone I won't let kids eat their parents anymore because that was just a normal system. Anime a normal is ritualistic system for anime a secret is monarchy where every, what was it, every 13 or so years or something yeah. like that? Yeah, just kids just ate their parents, passed it down, nom, nom. messed up. Yeah, there's just a there, there's a lot of I think we've touched on most of the the main themes of the episode. Although there is there are some um, individual moments that were just funny in a weird way. I mean, we talked about the party that they attended, but I need someone to explain why 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 was there a clown in this episode and why did it terrorize Levi personally? I mean, I get that it was like a short joke. Because he is short. He's like 5'3 or something like that. He's um, so little. He's just a little guy. Just a little guy. Put him in your pocket. Even um, in the past, the show cannot refrain from murdering Levi. He, does, he doesn't get a break. Oh, he doesn't do hardly anything in this episode except for try to look cool in a suit and then get approached by a creepy clown. And he tries to ignore the clown. And the clown's like, I'm talking to you. Hey, Good boy. <laughs> Are you in a you in a kitty gang or something? Like, he does look like a little Al Capone, though. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty adorable. Let's see. I think you sent me a screenshot of him with uh, a young Capone. Oh, God. Like, he wants to give him candy. He just tries to give Levi some candy. And Levi, knowing, you know, I read the, the manga that, like, his spinoff past. He's probably never had candy. He should get candy. You should get to enjoy lollipops. He grew up no, eating ever... rocks. He grew up eating rocks underground, you know? Like, there it is. Like, he's... Look how tall he is compared to Yon Capone. He is supposed to be, like, five foot two or five foot three. Like, this hat is giving him some extra... I was going to say that. <laughs> he's probably barely up to this man's shoulders. Yeah. You know? I don't know if Yon Capone's supposed to be particularly tall compared to, like, Mikasa or Aaron, but... um. Levi is very short. So, yes. And it did make me happy that Sasha got to have ice cream before she She died. did some pretty unspeakable things to that cone. All things like she was, she deserves it because she she's going to die soon. But Yeah. Man. And then, anything? I don't know, did you get Mikasa's what? face when she also tried the ice cream? Was, <laughs> was it this one? Yeah. <laughs> was it, who does not love ice cream? She's I mean, other than lactose intolerant, I suppose. But. The only other object she has ever given that look to is Aaron. That is how much she likes that ice cream. She just needs an ice cream husband. Like, Don't we all? Yeah. Don't we all? Yeah. Oh, Shining Falcon said in the comments that the candy that Levi got might have made an appearance in the Attack on Titan school, like junior high spinoff. It has been so long since I thought about that. Oh, oh it's a reference maybe. Okay. I know that uh, I remember back when we first saw a glimpse into um, the the conduit. Oh, right. Like, yeah. We saw little like one panel flashes of like different manga spinoffs. And oh, so, did we really? I missed that. Yeah. There's people were bringing it up all over Twitter. You could see flashes of like the uh, when they're all at like a hot springs or something. And then there's one of like it was like goth Mikasa when they're in like just like regular person school or something like that. I don't know. 
Someone please send that to me on Twitter at underscore Lindsay. Paths? The paths. Oh, the con when you say conduit. Okay, well, I mean, whatever. It looks like a weird glowy tree root. Yeah. But yeah, someone sent me Goth Mikasa. I didn't see that. And that sounds like something I would really and nerd Armin. Yeah, I want to see both of those things. I mean, Armin's already a nerd. Armin is king nerd. That's that's his king whole nerd. thing. Oh, okay. Uh, Theo says specifically USA High School. I know what that spinoff is now, because I remember when um that was promoted in the magazine. Isayama drew the characters sort of as like the breakfast club. Like they were posed like the breakfast club poster. Oh, sure. The, oh, don't you I mean the Texas Chainsaw Massacre part two poster? Thank you very much. No. <laughs> uh, let's see. It was uh, alternate universe manga. Get Oh yeah. I got a drama CD. I mean, she uh, would be a goth. That is, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Isayama knows his character. She's definitely a goth chick. Which yeah. Is great. There we go. So you can see like how they're all posed like Breakfast Club. And yeah, Armin literally it. is just himself in glasses. Like there's nothing different about it. Yeah, yeah. I like Annie as a cheerleader though. That's cute. But yeah, Mikasa's actually given me like Misa from Death Note vibes there a little bit. Now I'm just imagining like a Heather's spinoff of AOT where Mikasa is the main girl and Armin, uh, Aaron is, is what's his name? The murder guy. And oh, Annie is 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 Heather. <laughs> I think Christian that's Slater. Yeah, yeah, I can't remember what his name is in the movie, but yeah, Christian Slater. And then Mikasa's uh, like Winona Ryder. I should I should know the the characters' names because uh, I've listened to the musical of Heather's probably ten thousand times, but they are uh -huh. currently escaping my memory. Am just pointed out very important how Aaron's the depressed loner in the back. Like he's not even one of the characters from the poster. He's just up here, just yeah. being a sad little dude. His head in the corner. I mean, that's how you get oh, a man. giant centipede titan killing everyone, I guess. I feel like the only appropriate thing to do about Aaron at this point is just relentlessly dunk on him. Like He's brought it on himself. We have to inject joy still into the series, all right? And the only way I'm going to be able to do that is just making fun of Aaron for being a sad little worm man. A big, a big little worm man. A very big worm man. Yeah. I'm wondering if, if Isayama is just a Dune fan and like he, he read those books and was like, I want my character to be a big worm. <laughs> I'm going to out Release the spice. Yeah. Ishan says Aaron needs a smoke bowl. I agree. Yeah, he does. I think. Legalize it, Japan. I'm serious. Like you're missing I out. I think all of, uh, all of Marley and Paradise's problems could be solved by legalizing marijuana. Yeah, so I don't know. I guess we're going to get another season next year. Although now that I've looked at this this cover here, I kind of wish we would genuinely get a spinoff for the Breakfast Club Attack on Titan version. How just... funny would it be if MAPPA literally just from the part season four, part three, just mm -hmm. did nothing but animate the Breakfast Club spinoff and never concluded the main arc? <laughs> Just, just completely left. We would all be so mad. Well, people in the comments said they've only got about nine chapters left, right? So, I mean, yeah, you could probably stretch that to about 11 or so episodes. What if you just condensed it into three and then filled out the rest of the season with The Breakfast Club? Yeah. Like, we just do Breakfast Club for six episodes and they're like, oh, JK, here's the last three episodes and then we're just done or something. Do one know. episode that's just a boat? You know, the nice boat meme, bring that back. 
Yeah. Have, I, I mean, if, if all the girls are going to team up and murder Aaron anyway, then the nice boat meme would be fitting. It would be thematically appropriate. Why not just uh, bring back school days? Just air school days in its entirety <laughs> as season three of the final season. Oh. And then maybe an, an episode of Fruit of Evolution, just to cap it all off. Yeah. Hey, so how excited are you for the new adaptation of Fruit of Evolution, James? Oh, I definitely love that people keep tweeting me about it and saying, look, it's your favorite anime. And it's like, oh, y'all are funny. I could have never, ever guessed that anything would be done with that property ever again. I'm still not fully convinced that it's not an April Fool's joke. But there's a countdown on the website for like 120 days from now. So I guess that's how long we've got to wait to figure out what the hell it is. But it, the key visual they released looks completely different from, so like, well, they're they, calling it Shin Fruit of Evolution. Like, yeah. So I'm like intrigued by intrigued is probably more positive than I intended to be. But are they really going to remake this show? Okay, look, I've, I've thought about this, and I'm going to be okay. honest with you guys. I'm going to drop okay. the bit. Okay. Okay. And this is okay. 100% authentic, James. No fooling. Yeah. If they remade or sequelized or whatever fruit of evolution and and they made a good version of it and the joke was that they made intentionally one of the stupidest shows of all time specifically so they could make the joke of remaking it but good i would respect the hell out of that i would how much money do you have to waste on that bit though to like do that be like, all right. That's so. what would be amazing about it. it. Would be such a waste of resources and time. It would be amazing. That is like, Andy. That's an Andy Kaufman level of shit post. Right? I would. I would. That would go down in history. The source material is not good enough to warrant this, right? Exactly. Like, it would be so at, funny at any level. And this isn't like what they did with Ari Ferretta, right? Where like it had a decent light novel and had a fandom and everything, and then this there were staffing issues and they didn't like where it was going and they had to like start all over sort of thing. Like this is a, this is a show about a boy who goes to another world with his class and he's a loser. And so he ends up getting a a girlfriend. He's a smelly loser and he gets a girlfriend who is a pink ape. Okay. And then she eats a fruit and turns into a hot lady. And also he loses weight. So that means he's okay now or something. So Mm -hmm. let's not even get to the fat phobia associated with that. That is the premise of this show. And Mm -hmm. they made 12 episodes and Abraham Lincoln showed up and the ghost of Abraham, Lincoln. the ghost of Abraham Lincoln showed up and it was animated on like paper napkins. And James had to write 12 episode reviews about it. And then on April fool's day, they're like, JK, we're going to do it all over again. Why? How are you making money off of this? You know, if they got is? like the crew that did one. This is an embezzling man, scheme. If it was just like an OVA, like, like yeah. a one, like a one-off episode. Right. Sure. And they got the crew that did like one punch man to animate, like beginning to end, just like the most Sakuga thing ever. I I'm not even kidding. I would just, I, I would champion that forever. Mm-hmm. Like that would be yeah. so funny to me. I've always thought that the best prank that anyone could ever pull is to make a room quality terrible movie and then follow it up with like like an Oscar worthy work of art and just be like, just kidding, I could have done this the whole time. I just didn't want to. Has that ever happened? No, but it would be funny if it did. <laughs> this might be it. That's what I'm saying. This might be the time. 
this might... Worst case scenario, we get an, another show that's as bad as The Fruit of Evolution, and I'll just block it out for the rest of my life. I do hope that maybe you're right, and it's just like an OVA, like a really well-animated, stupid OVA sort of thing. Because again, like, unless this is being used to somehow launder money for organized crime, which has happened in anime before, but it's been a while. Unless that's what this is, I cannot figure out who signed off on this, why, who thought they would make money doing it. There's, I have a, so many questions. Yeah, and for and for so those of you questions. that didn't watch The Fruit of Evolution, which is everyone except yeah. for me, um, yeah. and that's good. That's yeah. a good thing. Mm-hmm. I cannot stress enough how one of the worst things about the show is that it knew it was terrible. Mm-hmm. So it isn't like it was an earnest thing that just failed because of incompetence. It was a show that was honestly 100% fine being the worst thing ever. So it was it was a comedy that was trying to be bad comedy and failed at that and therefore was devoid of any redeeming value because it was just a bunch of people laughing at their own bad jokes for 12 episodes. Uh, okay. See, that's kind of how I felt. And I guess there's been uh, mixed interpretations of Bayo no Iga. What, what was the, the lost village? Is that what it was called in English? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where it was like trying to be a horror anime and where a bunch of kid, weird kids are stranded in an abandoned cursed village sort of thing. And there yeah. was like a hippo song and exploding basketballs and maybe their fears took literal shape into these weird amalgamations of horror that just looked really bad like one was kind of like a teddy bear or whatever i've seen arguments of that like it was intentionally trying to invoke being a b-movie on purpose i think that's generous i think it was just incompetent but now what i compare this is a, a deep what i compare the fruit of evolution to is it, do you remember how long ago was it? It was like maybe 2012. You remember movie 43, that awful anthology movie with like all those big stars and it was just a bunch of dumb sketches. Like the main sketch was Hugh Jackman was a guy that had balls on his chin and he was on a date with Kate Winslet. No, but now I have to watch this. Yeah. It's the worst thing ever. There's another joke where Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris are like having sex and at one point, one of them, like, diarrhea is all over the place, and they're both just covered in poop. Okay, maybe I don't need to watch this. It's like that, where they, the Fruit of Evolution is under no delusions. At the very least, Lost Village was trying to do something creative. The Fruit of Evolution was just like, someone paid us, like, a bit of money, so let's just make the dumbest jokes we can, and then see if anyone ever cancels us. And they didn't. So. And then they got more. They got to make more, though. Yeah. I don't understand. I can write fanfics. So anyway, next year on, on the ANN After Show, we're going to be doing an episode-by-episode breakdown of the Fruit of Evolution Shin remake. True. Why did you have to put that out into the universe? Like, people are going to listen to this. They're going to comment in the forum. Um, that does bring up a good point, though, is that preview guide's ongoing right now. Um, we've only got like the first few days worth of shows is the weekend and today, and we've got to decide what to watch next. So if people could leave us a comment, um, or send me a tweet or an email or comment in the forum on ANN when the podcast goes up and let us know what you'd like us to talk about, uh, we can 
continue like a variety sort of feel if there's nothing you guys feel strongly about that you want every single week like the obvious pick seems to be spy family right but i don't know how how well that lends itself to like a weekly podcast form since it is kind of comedic in some senses as opposed to attack on titan which has like a really strong progressing progressing narrative the whole time so yeah i'd be interested to hear what you guys would like us to talk about everyone in here is talking about spy family also kaguya sama i mean we could we could team up two of them if they're just like sort of fun and light as opposed to just doing one show as well so i know that what's there's been a lot of controversy over um executioner and her way of life (laughs) that's true yeah i would have to re-up my high dive subscription to watch that but i would do that Um, no no, executioner way of life is high dive it's only oh you're right it's so weird yeah they've got they've got about five ish exclusives this season and a lot of them look pretty good so yeah okay well yeah spy family i think that probably airs this week and uru and blue that's never coming out you guys, okay, like I interviewed I interviewed Sadamoto in 2013 about that movie when they were still looking for funding, okay? It's never oh happened. Oh my goodness. All right, I want to thank everyone for coming in for this finale of Attack on Titan. Um, be sure to keep checking the preview guide for the new shows that are coming out every single day. James is writing reviews for all of those because he's crazy. And we've got four other reviewers also working on that. Once again, we're live here at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Mondays. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Music, all the places you listen to your podcast. Uh, leave us a review there if you think we're funny or like our news coverage or our thoughtful dissection of Japanese entertainment. It really helps us out. Yeah. And we'll see you guys all next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.